0: You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. So we can talk now. We're live on YouTube.
1: We have to talk now. Uh, well, uh, the people at YouTube probably want to talk now. We could just loop this song for a few hours. And it's just that's bopping our heads. You know? Yeah. <laughs> better keep everyone entertained during lockdown, no doubt. back and shoot it. That's what we can do. Uh,
0: we love our music.
1: Yeah, thank you for the people that wrote it and that amazing voice. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sorry, are we ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready to finish. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast listeners from all around the world. Hello and welcome back. To another episode of War for Idiots. W-F-I, War for Idiots. We are your hosts. W-I-S for Idiots. Uh, We are your hosts. Uh, My name is Rich the Poop. And I am
0: Mick the Dimwit. I thought I was a Dimwit this week, but I'm a Dimwit. Yes, you are. And
1: we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And in today's episode, we are waging war on climate change. It's going to be a very... (laughs) fun-filled episode uh nothing like talking about the world grinding to a halt to uh to brighten up your locked in and uh and COVID days
0: well i mean the fact is um there's not much else apart from the apocalypse to talk about right like,
1: that's right it, the apocalypse is so hot right now <laughs> so, so hot right now. like if
0: you don't if you don't have COVID or content <laughs> You are not, you're not, you're not, there are real estate pods out there that are like, get the latest skinny on how yeah. you're investing during COVID-19. Exactly. You know, I'm locked in a house. I'm not looking for more houses to be locked in.
1: <laughs> and look, before we start the episode, uh, we just wanted to thank everyone for your ongoing support. Uh, the crowd. That is listening. To us. Thank you. I, I would like to thank everyone uh, for their ongoing support. The people that are listening to us via all of our means—YouTube, uh, iTunes, and Spotify—and everywhere else you get your uh, podcast from—you're uh, growing and growing. So please keep telling your friends, keep telling everyone that you know, share the podcast around, um, get the conversation started, uh, because we love it. And we love hearing about how uh, how it's helping people fill in a bit of time uh, in their long lockdown days. Just
0: keep talking, I'm gonna send a tweet.
1: Okay, classic, classic thing, no worries. (laughs) Um, so people have been leaving reviews. Uh, I can ask you uh, if I can please ask you to get on to the iTunes, leave us some more reviews, not just for the ego boost, but just uh, so we can tell people that people actually do listen and uh, and are leaving some great reviews on there. And hopefully um, everyone is staying safe and sound, uh, whilst their COVID crisis continues to, uh, to go on and that you're taking the opportunity to build your brains as well as your physical, uh, aspects as well during this lockdown period and we want to be a part of that journey so we do and uh
0: talking about journeys um mm. that was a completely unclumsy segue yeah,
1: perfect.
0: Uh, congratulations uh to uh colonel now colonel ty mayfield uh tyrell mayfield of the US. he uh he had an online uh promotion ceremony couldn't attend it uh ty because uh i was at um i was at work um so you know Think About that, next time you do a live event, but uh, congratulations! Uh, promoted to colonel, full colonel today, so he's a full bird in, uh, in American parlance and uh, good friend of the show and uh, just a generally good guy.
1: Congratulations! Um, and Nick, how's it all going? How's your COVID going? Your studio looks amazing. Uh, for those that are lucky enough to see us on. Uh, YouTube, you get to see Mick uh, with his amazing glasses. I've known Mick for 20 odd years now. I've never seen him wear glasses before. So it's a first, a first for everyone. Very,
0: I'm very proud of them. In fact, I'm so proud of them. I, very, I, I wear them very, very, very sparsely so that I oh. never have to change them.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And how's your week been?
0: Mate, my week has been fantastic, actually. Uh, and the reason I'm wearing my glasses, which is very rare for me, is uh, I have been stuck in front of this uh, this desk in in my studio uh, for both my day job and, uh, and also my, uh, you know, my, my hobbies, which is you know, producing podcasts no one listens to, uh, yep. flat out. And so I'm getting what I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there who are telecommuting are getting is uh, screen fatigue. So, uh, so listeners, if you are like me and you uh, tend not to wear your glasses unless you absolutely need to, make sure you, uh, you crack them out. Uh, so this, I guess this is a public health notice. I was I- going to
1: say, what else could this podcast do? I mean, helping people <laughs> <Yeah>. mentally, <laughs> physically uh, with um, their sight?
0: Yeah. And if you're smart like me, you'll get the government to pay for them before you leave the government job. Um, but yeah, man, I'm doing I'm doing really, really well. Um, so despite the fact I've been sitting in front of my computer telecommuting, I've been working with some amazing and inspiring people this week. So it's been absolutely yeah. fantastic. And what a letdown to do the show tonight. What about
1: yourself? Oh well, on that high note, no, everything everything is going fine. Look, I'm like one of the many people out there, like yourself, uh, homeschooling as well as balancing work, as well as uh, wife and/or partner balancing their life as well. So just juggling everything, but still, you know, still still doing good, morale's high, um, and we get to still record this podcast, which unlike you, this is the highlight of my week. Nick. This is the <laughs> highlight of my no, week. To
0: be fair, it's probably one it the whole It's the lot of my week uh, because that's cute. That's um, cute. It's social interaction. And lets <laughs> That's it.
1: I'm like the only other person I talk to outside of home and work. So um, so there we go. Um, and, right.
0: and ladies and gentlemen, so I, just, I, like, I don't know if, I, if Richie's cleared me to release his personal information, but Richie yeah. no, has a lot of kids. I have so, so, many. so he, has, he has a lot of kids. He's got twice the number of kids I've got. Yeah. Um, yeah. so when I, so I try not to on this show complain about, about kids, yeah. or anything like that. So yeah. like he's doing it tough. So when he says uh, socializing with people, he means adults because yeah, yeah, he yeah, has was, plenty of kid time.
1: Yeah. It's mayhem. It's mayhem. Um, all right, l- let's get started. So, uh, tonight we're going to talk about climate change really, you know, I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. Uh, you know, I've been researching, a lot. Of this episode, Mick made a lot of fun of me because I took more notes than you could possibly talk about <laughs> in the time frame that we uh, that we originally planned for this episode. Uh, but we thought we would start by running through a few quotes. Um, there's quotes that are going to sort of hopefully give you an idea of where some of the uh, where some of the opinions lie with regards to climate change. Um, and as best possible, this will just be an introduction as we deep dive. What is climate change? What does it mean for war? What does it mean for warfare? So, Mick, why don't you take us away with quote number one? Oh, I'm doing the quote. Yeah, cool. You're doing the what? First yeah.
0: one. Did you know I was going to be wearing my glasses? Because, uh, you know, what is not acceptable? Ladies to quote anyone who uses a font size lower than 10 <laughs> really on small. any digital document <laughs> um, should right. be shot. You're, when, when the revolution comes, you'll be first against the world, Rich. Uh, here's the quote. It's from Albert Einstein, who did some things. Uh, The world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but those who watch them without doing anything. And I've got a
1: quote from Senator John Inhofe. James Inhofe. James Inhofe, excuse me. It kind of reminds, I could use the third right, the big lie. You say something over and over and over again, and people will believe it, and that's their strategy. A hot summer has nothing to do with global warming. Let's keep in mind, it was just three weeks ago that people were saying, wait a minute, it's unusually cold. Oops,
0: that was a sensor beat. (laughs) So I was supposed to go with this one. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will get that one uh, better. Fix it in post, get it in post. (laughs) No, I'm not doing any post, I'm lazy. Um, All right, this is my quote. Now, my quote is from uh, uh, some guy named uh, Barack Obama. Mm. He may have worked with Einstein or something like that. Uh, kidding! I don't know who Barack Obama was. He was the guy who gave his job up to uh, Trump. Uh, There's one issue that will define the contours of this century more dramatically than any other, and that is the urgent threat of a changing climate. I guess he didn't really
1: predict COVID, did he? <laughs> no, no, he did not. <laughs> this is a quote from a uh, gentleman known as Mark Morano. Did you know global warming promote promoters receive? three and a half times as much money as anything offered to skeptics the world is spending nearly one billion a day to prevent climate change gore took millions of dollars from Qatari oil money for his current tv network (laughs) all right the next one's actually a
0: personal hero of mine um and and it's because of her message and, and the way she's gone about it and the, the change she could implement in the world and probably save all our lives and future generations, but also because she has demonstrated how easy it is for middle aged white men in power to get angry and, and feel significantly threatened by a schoolgirl. Yeah. So uh, here's, here's this one by my hero, uh, Greta Thunberg The climate crisis has already been solved. We already have the
1: facts and solutions.
0: All we have to do. Is wake up and change.
1: And here's a quote from someone who is not my hero. Um, his name is Chris uh, Harmer. Um, and he says, Pluto's warm-up is a reminder that no matter where you are, climate happens. It always has, it always will, with or without SUVs. And it should remind us to continue taking, with an ever-increasing grain of salt, these claims that your car acts as a weather machine i feel like you're coming across as very biased you're very you're very
0: biased hey that's a completely unbiased thing anyway <laughs> uh, that guy that guy has obviously never heard of climate
1: control. i'm sorry <laughs> have you been to pluto i didn't think so read the quote
0: um pretty sure pluto <laughs> um climate controlling cars dude like seriously all right I, i'll get on to the next quote uh this one is by david attenborough <laughs> That even sound like him or not? No, no, nowhere near it. Excellent, I'm gonna keep going with it. There is no question that climate change is happening. The only arguable point is what part are humans are
1: playing in it. I've never heard anything sound so far from what you're trying to make it in my life. I'm going for a consummated British dude. All right. And look, the final quote is from uh, the uh, Australian Andrew Bolt. Nobody nope. quotes, um, but one of the many things he has written is uh, a renowned physicist, Freeman Dyson, says, the whole earth is growing greener as a result of carbon dioxide. So it's increasing agricultural yields. It's increasing the forest. It's increasing growth in a biological world. And then he goes on to talk about, uh, doesn't that not mean that climate change is a good thing? So what we wanted to do was just... Was, and what we want to do was just give you uh, ladies and gents and listeners out there just a bit of a, a bit of a sort of mix of some of the twos and fours uh, that exist out there by some pretty prominent people when it comes to climate climate change and also those that have been come to known as climate deniers so uh, that is the topic of what we're going to talk about today and that is climate change so let's start with a definition mix if I can get you to read this with your ginormous glasses, yep. this is from science.org.au. Got, what is climate change?
0: We've got bigger ones. Uh, okay. So, are you want me to read it? You don't want to just give me my answer. Uh, just, well, you
1: can, whatever you would like to do.
0: Climate change is about No. Climate change is a change in the pattern of weather and related changes in oceans, land surfaces, and ice sheets occurring over time scales of decades or longer.
1: So this is really the crux of what the world is talking about with regards to climate change, yeah you know is there a pattern of the weather that's changing that's affecting oceans, land surfaces, ice sheets all around the world um, and is are humans indeed the the cause of what is happening or is this actual natural phenomenon that is that is occurring and that that's the very at the very crux of what we 're talking about
0: yeah and I mean the time is a bit important there right like so what we heard from some of the, um, you know, the oh, wrong, wrong button again, guys. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> some of the um, the cuckoo um, climate deniers was everything's about like what happened last week or last year, right? Like they don't they don't look at the timescale. Um, but you're right, like it's you know it, it's about significant changes in 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 a whole heap of areas uh, over over a certain period of time. It's not, hey, you know what? It was raining in Seattle when Tom Hanks met me grind, but it's not raining in Seattle tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and and look, and, and you know, the very definition of climate denier, which is from the Merriam-Webster dictionary, one who denies that changes in the Earth's climate or weather patterns are caused by human activity. Yep. And this is this is what, you know, it's a very polarizing debate. You know, that there's there's people on either end. There's either people that agree that humans are the ones that are causing climate change, or there's those that think, well, it's not humans. It's, it's something else that's causing climate change. And whether humans caused it or not, I think is at the very center um, or the very crux of this argument. I, I think it's, you know, there, there is some argument out there that the climate is not, in fact, changing, that that, that a lot of the science that's been sort of uh, promulgated out there is not true. Um, but I think we've come to a stage now where everyone agrees that some, something is different. So, something is different yeah. with the environment. We're seeing extreme weather conditions. But, but the debate is still, is it because of humans or is it not because of humans?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, look, 11 facts that you need to know. So, so when we talk about this change, what are we talking yeah. about? Wow. So, uh, from conservation.org, and, and, you know, to be quite honest with you, when, when researching uh, climate change, it's very hard to find anything that's neutral. It, it actually really is. It is either we, you know, extremely in, in one camp or the other. Um, so, you know, take, take some of this with a grain of salt. But a couple of points from uh, change.org is when we're talking about what is occurring in the world we're talking about uh, an increase in carbon dioxide co2 that, that that's the the science of what we're talking about and the concentration of carbon dioxide currently is 408 parts per million now i know you have your glasses on so you know exactly what that means but in, in, in summary in 2018 the co2 in the world is the highest that it's been measured in the last three million years um, you know, there was a guy out there three million years ago measuring the CO2 and, you know, he told us uh, it, it wasn't that high. Yeah, but
0: to be fair, he didn't use the metric system like most of our American listeners.
1: So. That's right. That's right. And, um, and, and he'll always be remembered for that.
0: And look, another one was
1: that 2016 uh, was the highest uh, or the warmest year on record since humans have been uh, measuring uh, the temperature, uh, which has been over. It's a big you know, year because that was a
0: year before we launched the show.
1: That's right. Uh, a year that probably no one remembers because life didn't exist before this show.
0: And uh, no, President Trump was elected. I'm pretty sure people remember 2016 as the worst year on record until January this year happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and- I mean, 1939 was pretty down, so it was 1914. Sorry, but. <laughs>
1: and and you know what this what what is happening is that due to deforestation due to the amount of co2 that's being pumped into the world the, the world is getting warmer and what has occurred is things like the 2015 paris agreement okay so the 2015 paris agreement was when 195 different countries agreed that they individually would contribute a reduction in their carbon emissions so that globally we don't have an increase in temperature and i believe Uh, Yeah, We don't have an increase in temperature of over two degrees Celsius. Um, And unfortunately, you know, a lot of the criticism is that uh, the effectiveness of this, you know, how binding is it for countries to follow it? And the trajectory that's currently predicted is that uh, we we are going to go well over. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like when I agree to
0: read the show notes every week. (laughs) I just don't.
1: Yeah, you just you just say yeah, yeah. I'll defo read those. And that's part
0: of the Paris Agreement, right? Like everyone's like, yeah. we will definitely, we will definitely do that. Yep.
1: I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, and then why why don't they do that? We'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So you know, there is there is the definite fact that climate change is occurring, and that there's sort of camps that are trying to make this stark reality of what climate change is is going to happen. And one of the famous ones is the Climate Clock have you heard of the climate clock before uh no i've heard of the doomsday clock but not the climate clock so it's kind of the same thing uh it's kind of the same same concept that when the clock reaches 12 you know or when the clock counts down you know we we are in trouble and in this instance the climate clock is saying when this clock gets to 12 uh the world will have risen by two degrees celsius uh and as a result we're going to see mass flooding we're going to see mass human migration. We're going to see uh, great acidification of oceans. We are, we are in trouble as a world. Um, and it's something that was released in 2015. And according to the clock, um, we will reach this in 12 years, seven months, 16 days, 15 hours. Um, and that is the 25th of November, 2032 is when we will reach two degrees. Uh, and then the world is going to be in big trouble. And you would have you remembered last year, um, a lot of the global protest against climate change, that, yep. that was the, the size they had 12 years. We had 12 years to fix this was in relation to the climate clock.
0: Right. Um, I, guess, I guess that's like, you know, when we say we've got 12 years to fix it, uh, if we fix it in 11 years and 11 months... Just don't think work that way. not don't, yeah. think,
1: don't think about this like one of your uni essays. That is not. the answer
0: so to. Add for listeners. This is not the <laughs> time to fake it. Don't bacon on the climate. This, not, is, uh, this, is, this is not an all nighter, ladies and gents. We need to we need to get the essay question and start researching as soon as we walk out of class on this one.
1: So that, that's that's you know, and, and there there are too many organisations that are fighting for the causes of climate change. Um, infamously, you know, Al Gore. Uh, they've been talking about climate change for a long time you know you know personally i've heard david attenborough you know that they've cro- they've yeah, you heard chronologically him the listed you know, not only when you spoke as him but he's been saying this on show richard he's been saying this uh, he's been saying this from the 70s that something something bad is happening and uh, and he's getting more sort of critical in what he's saying and um you know famously uh, i'm reading through malcolm turnbull's uh, biography at the moment and, and um. he was a he was a big advocate for climate change uh yeah, for mission done right like the the, the- they're, 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 you know, one of the biggest moments uh, in the book, and, you know, I only bought the book to read about the the, the spill, um, the leadership spill, and haven't even gotten to that yet, and it's a very profoundly interesting book because he talks about how, how interested he is in saving or, or protecting the climate, how he pushed for it as opposition leader, and how it, it ended up being his ultimate downfall was how passionate he was about climate change, um, yep. much against the rest of his party. And it's a, it's a fascinating Look, and for those
0: people who don't understand, the person who um, replaced uh, Malcolm Turnbull as Prime Minister of Australia mm. uh, previously bought a lump of coal, which is one of Australia's biggest exports, into parliament, saying that it's, you know coal's great. Um, so, so when your house burns down, um, I won't give you Scott Morrison's name, but but I'll you know send me an email and I'll tell you who to go talk to.
1: Well, I've so, just, just
0: put us on uh, every watch list in the country. So, I know, yeah, yeah, you know. We're, we're already <laughs> on there. We're already on
1: there. I mean, the amount of climate denial stuff I was Googling this week, we're, trust me, we're on there. They're probably going to hire you as an advisor. if They might do. So, look, so there's, a, there's, there's a, a, a plethora of information and facts that you can find about climate change, about where we have been, where we are, where we are going to if we don't make some change now. On the flip side, there's a whole bunch of um, denial out there. There's a whole bunch of climate denial. And and, and I want to state up front, um, I, I you know, I really want to try to stay as objective as possible when we're talking I don't, about this. I know. I know right. Mick, Mick, Mick doesn't. You know, I'm <laughs> a bit of a fetic sitter.
0: <laughs> if, if you're, if you're well, a, a, as every episode, right? Like last week you almost said COVID was good. That's not true. No, <laughs> I don't even know if that was last week. Um, but uh, look, lazy and gents, I I, uh, I will never, I will never... Um, I guess, sit on the fence. But I guess that's my, that's my role, right? But uh, I do have to say, I, I will always be a hypocrite because right now I'm toasty warm, you know, it's in, a, yeah. in a cold Canberra yeah, because,
1: exactly. of,
0: because, of a, because of a gas heater. So, that's right.
1: So there yeah. you go. Mick, Mick is the biggest denier out there. But look, so I found, I found a whole bunch of stuff on climate denial and, and climate denial, or they call them science denial.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is used for anti-vaxxers, right? The same sort of way. Yeah, exactly, of Exactly. Our
1: arguments. Um, that's right. So there's a way, very interesting tools the, as well. Yeah, so, the, so we we stumbled across you know some interesting ways to think about it, and the, we came across five characteristics of science denial, and and you know what a great a great observation. This can be about vaccine denial. This can be about you know a flat Earth uh, flat Earthers that are out there as well. Um, the first one is fake experts um, that are generally mag- the magnified minority, like you know one person who says one thing opposite to what everyone else is saying, opposite to the consensus, there's a, a huge magnification on that person versus yeah, the 99 that, other people that are saying the other thing. That
0: happened in the US, okay? So the US, uh, a lot of people cite the petition signed by 40,000 uh, United States scientists uh, saying climate change was false. So but the criteria of that was a, they polled people over about 40 years and all you needed to do to be continue, to be considered a scientist was uh, have an undergraduate degree in a science field, whether or not you're actually a research scientist or not. So if you go back to the States and look at uh, how many people were eligible for that survey, given that criteria, 40,000 out of like something like 10 million, uh, signed it. But the way you sell it, 40,000 scientists said, Whoa, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. Fake experts, a big deal and magnified minorities.
1: Yeah. And then there's, you know, logical fallacies, where people are just, just using simple logic, A plus B equals C, but you know, it, it seems like a simple logic, but you know like many things in the world, it's not that simple. Um, but they managed to string it in, in a very persuasive argument. There's cherry picking and there's conspiracy theories. And, and these are just some of the, the different ways that sort of some of the deniers out there are, are getting out there and, and sort of putting that information, which is countering a lot of this climate change information that exists. Yeah. Um, so a couple of other things we stumbled across. Uh, one is by a Michael Mann.
0: Not this Michael Mann. He talks
1: about, he talks about the six stages of denial, which I think is, is fascinating. In, in particular, he's talking about the six stages of climate denial. So he talks about, you know, th- this is the, gener- the general hierarchy that climate denial will go through. The first one is that CO2 is not actually increasing, okay? State of fact, scientists, you know, our scientists are saying They don't exist. He's a minority. He gets more attention, et cetera, et cetera. Then he says, and then the next step, once that's proven wrong, even if it is, the increase has no impact on the climate since there is no convincing evidence of warming. Okay. (laughs) And then when that gets proven wrong, even if there is warming, this is due to natural causes. When that gets proven wrong, even if the warming cannot be explained by natural causes, the human impact is small and the impact of continued greenhouse gas emissions will be minor. And when that gets proven uh, wrong, even if the current and future projected human effects on Earth's climate are not negligible, the changes are generally going to be good for us. And then the final one they get to is whether or not the changes are going to be good for us, humans are very adept at adapting to changes. (laughs) Besides, it's too late to do anything about it and or technology fix is bound to come along when we really need it, which is a... a Oh, yeah, I don't want to change my lifestyle. (laughs) It's a really interesting way and it really highlights this concept of denying and arguing just, just for the sake of denying and arguing. And, and you know, we'll talk about what is motivating some of these deniers in a minute. And, and, and look, before we, before we go on to, to some juicy stuff, I wanted to talk about Let's get to the juicy stuff. this concept of fighting the consensus and, you know, in Australia, we have the tall poppy syndrome. You know, it, it's this thing where we have a culture of seeing someone who puts themselves up and above the rest. We, we kind of want to chop them down because we're very egalitarian. We want people to be a part of the, the group. Although we're proud of them, we will never we're openly proud of them. And that's the same with consensus denial. You know, if everyone is saying that I should go right, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm my own person. Maybe, maybe left's the right way to go. And you know, um, that, that comes up with this concept. Of consensus denial, and sometimes this is used as a fourth category of uh, you know climate denial, which is called consensus denial. And, and I came across a really interesting lecture by Michael Crichton. Pop quiz: Michael Crichton, can you name off some of his books? mick
0: Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost World, or maybe that was a book, uh, Prey, Timeline. A timeline, really good book. The movie, yeah.
1: shite. Uh, yeah. Con- Congo, um, so, so many. He was, my, he was my teenage years most favourite author. You know, I read Jurassic Park. I
0: favourite author. I was really worried then. Um, I, I read
1: all those books before the movies and it was just amazing.
0: Yeah, and then they ruined him with some movies. Hey, Some of those ones that he's done, you're like, please don't
1: turn that into another Paul Walker movie. And he made a really good point. Which, which seems like he is on the side of the deniers, but I think he's just talking about thinking, thinking about thinking, right? And in 2003, he gave a lecture at the California Institute of Technology. It was called Aliens Caused Global Warming, right? It was a controversial title. And his basic sort of premise was um, maybe agreeing with a consensus isn't always the way forward. And he gave the example of Galileo. Right. Galileo did not agree with scientific consensus at the time. He didn't agree with the religious consensus at the time. He was an outlier. Other people who have been amazing with regards to scientific advancements have been outliers. And he says, you know, in a quote uh, from that lecture, the work of science has nothing, whatever, to do with consensus. Consensus is in the business of politics. And he finishes it by saying, in science, consensus is irrelevant. What is relevant is reproducible results. The greatest scientists in history are great precisely because they broke with consensus. There is no such thing as consensus science. If it's consensus, it's not science. If it's science, it is a consensus, period, which I have just thought was a very, very interesting way to look at consensus and climate denial. I
0: mean, there's good points. He's wrong about Galileo, but, I mean, you know, he's a he's a fiction author. You know, Galileo, on, you know, based on, you know, worked on Copernicus's theories pre-Christianity, it was it was consensus that the world was around. <laughs> um, you know, so Flat Earth has made, did a really good job at a certain stage, which I think, you know, he made some great points, I guess, about consensus. But, um, Michael, look into your facts. Like, there was plenty of evidence that Earth was around before Galileo. He's just the dude that got in the most trouble about it and publicised. Sorry, our, this has got nothing to do with the point, which I just really hate, <laughs> just
1: really hate Galileo. No, and Beverly,
0: um, you know, people didn't go after Galileo for a long time. Like his theories were out there, but um, we don't need everyone to agree on the science is, part, is what he's saying, right? Like, like, right. For, for it to be true. Like, we actually don't need people to agree about climate change. I'm actually, while, uh, while you're talking, I'm discussing um, all this fake news about COVID. Uh, I've got lots of people on my Facebook that are about to get the mute button because they're all about, You know, this is a biological agent uh, attacking the um, well, it's economy. You know? and look, if evidence comes out that that's what it is, sure. But right now, there's so not There's so Like, yeah. it's, it's a strain of a virus we knew was likely out there anyway based on the other strains of other viruses closely related to it. The science doesn't say it was created. The science, so, the climate change says, shit's getting warm. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Last, yeah. Uh, sense a bit. I love it. I love it when you swear because you, you have to fix it later on. No, I don't. So, I don't. This proves that you never listen to the show afterwards. So my question to you is why is climate change? Why is climate change such a polarising topic? Why has it created such debate within the world?
0: I I think climate change is such a polarising topic because it hits people where they live, right? And we've seen this with COVID-19. And, you know, all those Americans that are going out there and protesting uh, to open up the country again, like you guys have had over 50,000 deaths. uh, And if you look at per capita uh, to other uh, countries, Australia, New Zealand—you um, didn't need to have fifty thousand deaths, but it's the same same sort of logic is applied to climate change. It affects people's lives, and people don't mm. be inconvenienced if they don't think it is directly affecting them. So, lots of climate change deniers sit in very comfortable countries mm. where, yeah, you know, they didn't sit in the Syrian drought for the four years before the Syrian civil war. They they didn't they're not sitting in the Marshall Islands that mm. pretty soon will just be water right that like they won't be there um, they're not you know living in uh, southeastern Australia where yeah. we're pretty much on fire every every uh, every summer from now on pretty much um, they're not living through these climate events and so therefore the need to change isn't apparent that's right, um, right. so why should I be inconvenienced to fix something that isn't affecting me anyway
1: it's That's quite right. it, it's, it's, it's but, you know
0: it, one, one more point uh, they're also dumb <laughs>
1: yeah. look I've i think, got, i've got an idiot of the week to talk about later but it's not them it's i think i think you know i would i, I definitely agree with you and i think it's it's polarizing because it's a long-term problem and people don't often find long-term problems that tangible you know what I mean? I mean, this is what makes climate change. What are the two things that, what is the one thing that climate change and, and COVID have in common? They're affecting everyone on a global scale. Everyone is affected at the same time by the one thing. Okay. But what's the one thing that makes them absolutely uh, miles apart is that COVID, COVID is in your house. You know, well, not COVID, don't, don't be afraid. COVID is not in your house right now. COVID, COVID, can be, <laughs> COVID can be in your house right now. All right, what's the first thing someone asked when they heard someone died of COVID? How old were they? Because they're just relating, well, how old are they compared to me? Am I going to die from it? You know, People are yeah. very sort of People insular. in
0: their 30s are dying. People in their 20s are dying. Babies right. are
1: dying. So, uh, so everyone, everyone
0: assumes it's senior citizens because that were the first stats. Oh, it won't affect me because hey, I'm, 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 under, I'm under 30.
1: Yeah. So, so people yeah. are very You're protective in their
0: hormones. And you've you, you got no cardio and you breathe like Mick Cook when he's on a podcast.
1: Yeah. So it's a long-term problem. And I think people have a very hard time looking past their noses when it comes to such, such difficult problems that, you know, need a need a 10, need a 15 year sort of prospect on it. You know, I think that's why this uh, climate clock, when it came up with, we have 12 years, 12 years until temperature rises two degrees Celsius and then all this catastrophic stuff starts to happen. That started get, getting people thinking, but not enough people were thinking. Because I mean, 12 years could be an eternity for a lot of people. You, know, you can have careers and lifetimes and, and multiple lives in 12 years. So I think it's a long-term problem, which is why um, you know, th- th- it's a polarizing debate. And I think, I think one of the most tangible reasons of why this is a polarizing debate is because of the economics that are involved. You know what I mean? Yep. To, to the industrial age caused us to create a world that was so connected. Uh, we had a global market. We were pushing our resources left, right and center. Airplanes are flying constantly, and this generates carbon. This adds to global warming. So what you're asking people to do- You are is, Thank you. What you're asking people to, don't thank you. What you're asking people to do is to change the, the, the entire way that the world economics run, change the very way that they're living to something that's probably not as comfortable, you know, even if, yeah. they, even if they transition to something that's equal, still the transition will be uncomfortable for a period of time change yeah. that for something that's going to happen, you know, years and years down the track, people, people don't think like that it, it's no, all it, about the now, it's all about the tangible
0: yeah, I mean, even us, I mean, look at all the power I'm using in the studio right now, and I'll tell you what ladies and gentlemen, this is not renewable energy um, <laughs> I want it to be but I've got, to, I've got to do something about it, right? So I've got to, you know, and so therefore you need something to force people's action to do something that is, is going to inconvenience them, right? And also, you're right, Rich, it's a long term problem. Like, you know, in 12 years, we're going to start seeing disastrous effects. Well, you know, unluckily, we'll start to see disastrous effects already. But people like, 12 years, well, let me do my calculator. Yeah. Where, where am so, I? Yeah. I'll, I'll be comfortable and I'll be in a financial position enough where I can probably move further inland and yeah or hey man i'll be dead i'm gonna drive around my boomer caravan and just you know tell people that you know it was like this in the old days
1: and look i think i think you know the the final point of why this is such a polarizing debate is that um and this is I, i have a feeling this is going to get you angry um very much like COVID, is that everyone everyone in their tiny little device that they have right next to them can be an expert instantaneously on anything they want we are no longer a culture that listens to the experts because we can look at someone instantly on our phones and find someone that has a differing opinion to them these people have very easily accessible platforms that they can get rich thousands of people and tell these people you know anything that they want i mean um,
0: it's like the there was an episode in that tv show uh, the newsroom which was you know, filmed for three seasons written by Aaron Sorkin from the West who wrote the West Wing um, great show uh, will McAvoy played by uh, Jeff Daniels brilliant and he said uh, he says great line about the US and you know, they kind of predicted where we're at with Trump and stuff um, but uh, people don't pick the opinions they want in, to listen to anymore yeah, that's they right. choose the facts they want to listen to like, exactly it, like people people everyone is so hyper connected now that they can, they cherry pick like there's no tomorrow, but they think because they're cherry picking so much that they're picking We Like in a course I taught last year at university of Canberra, we, we talked about this in filter bubbles and echo chambers, you know, an echo chamber, you, you just can't get someone out of right. Like it, it, you can't do it, but a filter bubble, you provide them with alternative facts, give them a new perspective and you may be able to pop that filter bubble because they, they're presented with the information. So a filter bubble is really easy. Uh, as soon as you try and present alternative facts to someone in an echo chamber, you actually reinforce their worldview because they, they are expecting that sort of challenge. They don't see it as a, as, as, as a way to um, have, a, have, a, have a conscientious debate with each other and just say, oh, oh excellent. Okay, so you think that, okay, oh, I wonder about my perspective. They actually see it as, as a threat. To their to to their worldview, rather than a, w- a way of broadening their worldview. So all this information actually hasn't made us smarter.
1: No, it's actually it's actually making us dumber. That's right. We're yeah. all experts. We are. We're all experts. And look, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, we're an award-winning podcast. We wouldn't be Australia's number one podcast if if we,
0: we are. We are Australia's number one podcast.
1: So you know, it's a polarizing debate for many, many reasons. And you know, you you could, you could, we could be having the exact same question about vaccinations. We could be having the exact same um, sort of questions with regards to Earth, whether whether Earth is flat or not. There's people who have convinced themselves that there are scientists out there that will argue on the other other side of it. Um, But the fact is, and I think everyone's realizing, and we're seeing it around the world. We, We, you know, and we in Australia. Um, saw one version of it, Canada saw another version, and the world is seeing different versions of the climate is changing, the weather is certainly not getting better, it's getting worse. And we are seeing rising maximum temperatures. We are seeing rising minimum temperatures. We're seeing rising sea levels, a great example that you brought up, the Marshall Islands, and other Pacific Islands that are at risk of literally being engulfed and their islands disappearing, that nation being born. This an existential born. threat for them. Like, this is their biggest security threat. Absolutely. Higher ocean temperatures, uh, an increase in heavy pers- uh, precipitation, heavier rain, heavier hail, the shrinking of glaciers, the acidification of oceans, and the thawing of permafrost. It, it is, we are seeing this around the world at an increased rate. And regardless of sort of where it's coming from or why it's coming from, it, it doesn't change that it's there. And I don't think the debate will ever be solved. Um, and you know what? Normally oh, I think
0: I think the debate's solved. I think there's just, it is. I don't think I, no, the problem is it's a debate, I guess. That's the problem. Like you're right. The debate will never be solved because of the debate because <laughs> that's the problem,
1: right? <laughs> right. And, you know, you know, we're getting glimpses, you know, during COVID everyone has been seeing on social media. Hey, you know, I saw one the other day the, the hole over the Antarctic is, has closed, you know, because there's less emissions, you know, everyone would have seen the dolphins in the, uh, in Venice. The, yeah um i don't not know how
0: jumping in the canal in venice was cool. i don't know how
1: i don't know how true these are because social media to take it with a grain of salt but you know we've seen glimpses that maybe something's going in the right way but the, the fact is not enough is going to happen to, <laughs> well,
0: to, unless we're locked in our houses unless for a very long time
1: yeah for the rest of, for 12 years then we're good so so what does it mean? So, you know, we know the climate's changing. We know it's severe. We know that there's debate and argument about it. But what does um, it mean for war, man? What does it mean for war? What does it mean for warfare? Well, th- this is a, a profound question and this is, you know, what, what, what we're here to talk about. It was a super long introduction.
0: Um, <laughs> we're we're going to talk about the, the topic of the show for three minutes. <laughs> so
1: so the, the, the concept that we're talking about is based off climate change, What we see is around the world, governments and militaries are focused towards this new concept of climate security, Okay, So climate security, from Wikipedia, climate security is a concept that summons the idea that climate-related change amplifies existing risks in society that endangers the security of humans, ecosystems, economy, infrastructure, and societies. Also, climate actions to adapt and mitigate impacts can have a negative effect on human security yep. if mishandled yep. so what we see is climate change amplifying those sort of human uh, things food scarcity, water scarcity, uh, more cyclones, more flooding, more hail, more snow, uh, more landslides and then you know this creating a security climate because oh, people are in danger. People will take advantage of people that are in danger. This requires an application of security. This is all generated from the climate. So climate security has become, you know, something that people are talking about more and something militaries are starting to shape towards, being active in their war against climate security, if you will.
0: I've just got a point to raise. I'm just waiting. I've got something to show everyone on on the screen. Well, actually, I'll do it so that listeners can enjoy it too. Um, Wait, no,
1: you keep talking. Sorry, there's, there's something. No, no worries. So while you're looking for that, um, you know, we stumbled across uh, from the Centre of Climate Security. Uh, They've done a security threat assessment of global climate change. Um, And one of the quotes from that is, even at low scenarios of low warming, each region of the world will face severe risk to natural and global security in the next three decades. High levels of warming will pose catastrophic and likely irreversible global security risks over the course of the 21st century. So what we have is that the, the way the world is gonna progress from here is fundamentally gonna change. It, it's gonna change because the world is fundamentally changing. The argument is, is it humans that are causing it? Is there something else that causing it? That debate is no longer important. We're realizing that the world is gonna change okay. and people okay.
0: are gonna be affected. Let's fix it. Um, I've, just got the, I've just got this thing up, so I won't, I won't put it on the screen, but I don't want to disadvantage the listeners that listen to us in the car. And the, Fact that we've got like only two people watching is probably you yeah, yeah. me watching. Um, yeah, this is. This, I think this is like a really important thing for like our listeners to understand. I'll just I'll just play it now. Right, Nothing can hear Alright, if you can't. Oh, can uh, so, listeners, that was another technical fail. Brought to you uh, But oh.
1: If we had a sponsor, I is could, that is that even be, a real studio?
0: That'd be, that'd be really cool if we could do a um, – if you want to sponsor us, ladies and gentlemen, you will get a name mentioned every time I stuff up technical <laughs> activity <laughs> on, the, uh, on the thing. Here we go. All right. Yeah. To my love. Yeah, so that's Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Like you said, the word landslide. I just want the listeners to know it's a really good song.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Never has a joke been built up so high <laughs> to come crashing down.
0: It's so, so bloody good
1: song. <laughs> oh, and I'll play more of it, but I can't because of copyright. <laughs> after that pause, I was expecting just something amazing. And anyway, uh, Australia's well, number one military <laughs> podcaster everyone. <of all>. Um, <laughs> So look, uh, so security, security is the new security is the new challenge that is being presented by climate change, and it's and, and it's not something that's going to happen. I would argue it's something that is happening right now, and we're seeing we're seeing it happening.
0: We are seeing it. I mean, I already mentioned the Syrian drought, right? Like, uh, yes, the Arab uh, Spring and the the revolution in the Middle East in two thousand and eleven was about a lot of things, and it spread across there. But the fact that there were, you know, there was serious droughts. Uh, limited access to water, limited access to resources. People who have been to Afghanistan know that sometimes in the middle of the night, you think a guy is laying an IED, which is an improvised explosive device. But what he might be doing is using the, his turn on the water canal because water is so, governed, so, so tightly governed and controlled in Afghanistan because of the climate and it's getting worse. Um, it shapes how people live, how people do things. And therefore, it affects national security,
1: right?
0: You cyclones, right? Like, hey, have you ever done cyclone relief? I know you exactly. have.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And look, I stumbled across this. Um, it was from the Institute of Integrated Economics Research in Canberra. This is from the 6th of June last year. All right. Nice. And they talked, about, they, they talked about the importance of climate security. They're saying that you know, climate security is the interlinking between climate and the environment to national security. But yeah. it's very hard to get the nation worried about national security. Yeah, it's, not
0: about, it's not about securing the climate. It's about the climate's effect on... Yeah,
1: and, 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 and everyone knows that climate change is bad. Everyone knows that we have national security issues, but plugging the two together doesn't fit. And he was yeah. saying, why? Well, how, how, he, do you, how do you shoot a cyclone? Right, well, that's, in 1969, the threat to Australia was the domino effect um, of communism manifested in the Vietnam War, okay? So this was, this was something that was tangible. We we could place it in. in I mean, it was was bullshit, but
0: yeah, it's tangible.
1: But we could see where it was. We knew where it was coming from. We knew what it looked like. Okay, but this, this something. This is something that's it's a departure from what would traditionally be a national security issue,
0: right? We we don't have. There's no other. There's no
1: enemy force. Right, and and but you know my. Now that I'm reading this now from the sixth of June, 2019, I don't know if that's the case in Australia in in the May 2020. I think fires um and what we had to do to get out of that fire season and the amazing work that everyone did um i think national security is is closer to climate security i think people are understanding
0: it now like i think uh, so so like a lot of the you know the times that we've done humanitarian relief has been in the region or or far north australia right so people know that uh cyclones have happened there for a while like so they're like okay so that's just what happens um so when the Australian military goes and, and deals with a natural, natural disaster, it's, it's, you know, it happens. I mean, the Emperor Tiberius sent the Roman army to go relieve people and, and, and evacuate them from Pompeii when, uh, when Mount Vesuvius uh, exploded. No Thank one's you. claiming that that was climate change, right? Like it obviously affected the climate for a little bit. Uh, but a volcano is a natural event. Military forces have been doing this for thousands of years, supporting natural disasters. But, it, but this year, I think you're right, Rich. Like, it, it came home, especially here in Australia, it really hit home to the wider public. Hey, wait a minute, our national security assets are being taken off mission, off their standard normal mission, um, or, or doing their um, secondary mission more often than we would have expected them to. Um, great that they're doing it, but what does this actually mean for our security? Because right. the nation's not being threatened by a
1: political actor The nation is threatened by the world. Environment. Yeah, that's right. So the next question is, what is the role? You know, and let's let's assume the assumption that the connection is there. Climate security um, is something that's connected to national security. Those are one. Right. Let's make that assumption. Yeah. So the next question is, what is the role of the military in a state that accepts that the biggest threat to its national security is the world in which it exists? And climate uh, wars. I don't know what the, que- I don't know what the answer to this question is, yeah, but, but really it's
0: the unclimate deniers.
1: <laughs> yeah. but look, it's, it, it made me think about, you know, are we seeing another evolution of what is the role of the military? And, you know, I started thinking about, okay, what, what has been the role of standing armies throughout history? And you, you know, yep. you're going to be well more adept at this than I am. It's like, it started with the defense of the homeland. It eventually transitioned to private armies to sort disputes, you know, outside castles, very gentlemanly, um, your army versus my army. Okay, we'll finish at dinner and then we, that'll finish our disputes. Then became the, the tool of the state to defend the state. Then it became the political tool of the state for the political will of what you wanted the state to be was the army. But now are we saying that, you know, militaries potentially due to climate security could be there for the simple purpose of protecting the homeland, reacting to the climate and helping some of the, the the actions as a result of rising sea levels uh shifting migration animals migrating things like that you know it's, it's yeah. an interesting thought no, what I, is the role I, of military
0: i think it's important thing to understand rich i mean uh, i've had a had a bit of a debate with one of the academics uh in the uh, in the university i work with um and you know i'm i'm not an academic at that university but the um yeah you know, he was saying to me you know uh, it's war on climate. And again, like we talked about with COVID-19, people are using war as a metaphor because it resonates with people. Yep, you, got it. And then, but when people try and argue the very specific details of, of fighting bushfires versus fighting a war, that's where it comes unstuck. It's great as an overarching metaphor to unite a society or a, or a social effort or a community mm. um, to try and use the techniques of warfare <laughs> to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite there, right? Um, and, and my response to them was, you know, I've been in both war and 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 climate fights and uh i'll tell you what they were two very very different things and in some ways the one that you expected to be harder wasn't the other one was much harder because of you know the friction was there more friction yeah you it. um but you know standing richie. armies throughout history like you said richie once you've got a professional army it's it's got to do something right for the for the taxpayer so you know I'll go back to Roman armies again because I know a lot of listeners can kind of, you know, even if their understanding of Roman military is, is warped by pop culture, it's something they can think of. Right. So Romans on the frontiers in Germany and, and, and Gaul, um, and Illyricum and like the Balkans and that, uh, when they were stationed places, they were guarding the frontier, but every day they had to do something right. So they built roads, they built bridges, they built civil infrastructure. Hmm. What we're now seeing with our professional armies that taxpayer pays for like there is no off period. Uh, they're fighting wars uh, in Australia, particularly we fight expeditionary wars. We' go away and fight for national interests further from our homeland, which you know just personally being someone who lives in the homeland, I'm, I'm very appreciative of the fact that we fight away from our country. Um, but when they're home, they're now fighting the climate and, yeah. and, and I'll say fighting the climate because that's you know they're, they're not actually shooting the climate, ladies and gentlemen, but they they're, they're operating in a way that supports addressing the challenges of climate change. So that that's the role of the, the professional standing army when they're home. And, and when I mean armies I also mean uh, the other military service, the Navy and the other civil
1: service, the Air Force. Oh, that's a bit of a step. That's a bit of a step. but look, I think you know for the military practitioners out there, I think it's worth thinking about you thinking about your job, thinking about what you think you're going to do in the future, thinking about the equipment that you use, the equipment that you have, and then put it into some scenarios
0: okay yeah, learning so, learning about learning about climate change, so expect
1: to use them so what 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 does your army do when there is a country near you that is in severe drought and needs support with water. What does that mean for your acquisition of your new tanks? What does that mean for the acquisition of your new fighter jets? Is that the right equipment to make sure that your near region is indeed secure? What happens when part of your country is hit by an extreme weather event? Do you have the right assets to support that? What happens when rising sea levels threaten entire states that need help with evacuation, uh, are, generated, uh, are generating refugees and we have mass population migration which need to, need to help support health. So
0: I think it's Russia, Canada and China have uh, artillery shells that are, that are designed to fight fires. Like I think they've got like a fire yeah, retardant right. in there. So, so, you know, like the air bombers, right? Like the air bombers fly and they drop, they drop the fire retardant. Um, artillery has been repurposed for that. Um, yeah. Because you know, someone said, let's use artillery on fires. I'm like, you're an idiot. Uh, on Twitter, you can be the idiot of the week, and they're like, yeah, I tell you what I mean." And I was like, "Oh wow, I'm the idiot." Um, there you go. So, so think of what is happening, and, and you know, the traditional concept of what you need to do your job day to day. What if most of the time you're not fighting an enemy, but you're supporting a civil agency in a That's climate fight?
1: That's right. You know, and something that I came across, which was very interesting, is uh, the world is seeing at the moment mass animal migrations mass animal migrations both north and south of the equator because it's getting too hot. They're moving away from the equator. What is around the equator? Lots of states that established themselves because of animals that were around the equator. Yeah. So what and, happens, and the so nice. It's all nice. Tropical. That's right. It's too nice now. And then what happens if that <laughs> migration? And then I think I don't want to live in this tropical paradise because it is and too then, tropical. And then the extreme. The extreme and but the thing is, you know, once you start getting your head into this stuff, um, you say the extreme, but it's not the impossible is what happens when climate security turns into food scarcity and water scarcity. What happens when the things that we, you know, take for absolute granted are the things that we are fighting over. And that, that is something that is that could be on a horizon when we talk about climate change and especially, you know, when food is scarce and water is scarce, what is the role of the military? To protect those assets, it's an interesting question. And
0: and you know, is it is it ethical for a military that's fighting uh, and supporting civil agencies in climate fights to then go use an AvGas-powered uh, jet turbine
1: right. in a tank?
0: Yes. Uh, yes. Is it you know the diesel? And, and you know what, um, militaries are actually like Western militaries are actually pretty good on their environmental policies, but you can only procure what's available, right? So if you can't drive a tank based on solar power, you can't you can't procure one. Because <laughs> no one's well, selling, just, selling it, right? No one's right. selling it. Um, very interestingly, it being done in energy, uh, energy production, uh, especially pulse power, energy micro grids. Like there's a lot of great research out there and I, I do know defense industry is looking into ways yeah. to, to build this, but um, it's a tough call, right? Even militaries that have to train, right? You have to train, you have to exercise. So what does that mean for the environment when you actually have to drive tanks through the bush or through yeah, the scrub? Exactly.
1: Um, exactly.
0: You've got to have a green policy to make sure that you know, the damage you're doing is replaced, so that that carbon that you're freeing up into the atmosphere doesn't doesn't just stay out there. You need trees to sink
1: that back down
0: exactly. into the earth.
1: So I've thought about this. I thought about this for a long time, right? And and you know, starting to wrap up now. A week. What does this all mean? Um, and, you know, I think, I think a, great, a great topic and, you know, one thing that hopefully our podcast does is, is it gets people asking more questions than, than giving people answers. And I thought yeah. a long time... We definitely don't give people answers. We definitely don't give people answers. But I thought a long time about uh, climate change, about war and about our friend Big Carl. Um, yeah. And if indeed, you know, if we accept that war is indeed a continuation of politics by other means, then what happens when the world in which these politics exist starts to fall apart, okay? Whether you believe it or not, right? Now, does this significant event, does this change the direction of state politics to unite with each other? So we have this bigger problem. Instead of this war, this thing that we used to do against each other, let's unite against this new common enemy or is climate change the thing that just contributes to the current direction that state was going anyway. That superpower wanted to take that other state anyway. Climate change is just the means that it does it. Does climate yep. change negate the necessity for war because it unifies the world? Or does climate change create the spark for conflict? Yeah. Is climate change your has. new
0: phase zero shaping operation?
1: Exactly. And that's a thing that I will, I will ponder um, for a very long time. Uh, into you know, the future. Our, our next episode. <laughs> what are your final thoughts, Nick, on climate change?
0: Look, mate, uh, oh, I see you've got a bit there about Pascal's wager. Oh, Pascal's wager, brilliant. Um, I'll let you explain it because I can't remember it and uh, you've put it in size five font. Um, I can't read it. Seriously, need, you need like an R a a research assistant or something who can just... <laughs> <laughs> I did touch it
1: out. <laughs> oh, I swore! Oh, no!
0: You've got the best eyes ever. Um, and I've got this on a big widescreen. Uh, but, um, look, mate, my, my thoughts on climate change is, uh, you know, in line, I've been reading the stuff by Dr. Al Palazzo for the Australian Army Research Center, a great thinker on this sort of stuff, has been warning about climate change as a, a key issue for Australia's security for a long time. Um, luckily, some, some really important people listen to him as well. Uh, unluckily, some other really important people don't. Um, but it is a key security issue for militaries around the world because it influences force structure, capability procurement, uh yeah. mission role, mission parameters, uh, mission frameworks. Um and and I guess what we're seeing is in the same way that we talked about COVID, is militaries are going to have to support the responses to this. And because militaries have the, the bodies, uh the equipment and uh and and I guess the time, because their time is whatever the political masters say it is, uh, they'll be the ones responding to it. Uh, whether or not the politics go either way. Now, look, I don't think that we're going to go for a unified world um, based on climate change. And, and what I'm informed basically over the past two months of how the world's reacted in very different ways uh, mm. to the current uh, crisis. Um, I think we might see some unified action, but there is always, you know, the most, the most powerful force in the world is self-interest. And uh, what we're probably going to see is that state conflict more, is going to increase um, mm. due to climate change. And we're, we're going to see you know, some disastrous events before it gets better.
1: Look and, and on that happy note on that happy note. Um, so the, the final thing I wanted to talk about is, is, is I think we can end the debate. You know what I mean? And, and, right. I'm going to end the debate about climate change right here, right now. Um, and, this is my opinion on it, and I, and I don't give my opinion too often, but I'm going to use the, par- the paradigm of Pascal's wager, which, which he introduced before. Pascal is a, I think, a 16th century, maybe 17th century philosopher. He's um, really old. Like he's- and he came, up, he came up with a concept of why you should believe in God. You can apply it. And let's, let's call it why you should believe in climate change, right? And, and, he, and he used this wager, and there's a lot of study about it. But quick summation. Pascal argues that a rational person should live as though God exists and seek to believe in God. If God does not actually exist, such a person, person will have only a finite loss, some pleasures, luxuries, etc. Yep. Whereas if God does exist, he stands to receive infinite gains as represented by eternity in heaven, and avoid infinite losses, eternity in hell. So when I think about climate change, I think about Pascal's wager. I think about, hey, let's, let's pretend it's real. Let's make the change that we need to, to bring down CO2 emissions and see if change happens and we can really make this thing last beyond 12 years. As military forces around the world, Let's get ready for the effects of climate change. And I, and I don't think, you know, that's that's a no-brainer. It's happening now. So military forces are doing it. But I think as far as what is causing it, let's assume it's us. Um, because if we get that bet wrong and it's not us, the world is not going to be a worse place because we try to, to do something right, you know. But if yeah. we get it right, if we get it so right and we eliminate climate change... <laughs> we might be able to live. <laughs> we might be able to live. So, Pascal... Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Pascal, I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. I'm fully with you, and uh, I'm going all in with the Pascal's wager as it pertains to climate change. So
0: he actually is, man. Do you know why? Because he's uh, he's so old. He's stuck in a nursing home. He's in quarantine. No one's heard the scene. So he's just, he's just sitting there downloading <laughs> podcasts, listening to Landslide, <laughs>
1: Fleetwood Mac version, Smashing Pumpkins version, <laughs> and version every day. Uh, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is the end of the episode. We hope you have enjoyed our. Take on climate change. We hope we haven't bummed you out too much. <laughs> it's a very—we're I mean, just telling everyone they're all going to die. There's nothing yeah.
0: sad about that. Hopefully,
1: it's put you in a good mood. And to all those listeners that are live on YouTube, uh, you know, hopefully you're in a party mood after this one.
0: That's awesome. us. Uh, oh, so, There's someone else
1: watching. Mick, tell us about. Our social media, what
0: have we got out there? Uh, look, I, I will. I actually want to use our social media to do something, okay? So okay. I've actually fronted this with you. I was actually going to nominate someone this week, but I forgot who it was. Uh, hey, um, <laughs> if you follow us on social media, um, we we want to announce an idiot of the week each week, right? Like someone who is just so fundamentally stupid. Actually, idiot of the week this week is President Trump telling people to drink disinfectant uh, or inject disinfectant, um, Yeah, everyone knows what – did anyone see this, the press conference where he's saying let's look into putting disinfectant into people's bodies and and ultraviolet light? Um, (laughs) Hey, you know what kills cancer cells in a Petri dish? A gun. We're not telling people the cancer to go and shoot themselves. So, you know –
1: To inject guns into themselves.
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Hey! I wonder if that would. So, Idiot of the Week. Sorry, President Trump. We're now on watch lists in the US. I'm sure Um, he's listening.
1: I'm sure he's listening.
0: mate we are probably the type of quality show you listens to um but uh our social media so what, what, it gets we, his
1: facts from. Sorry.
0: what we want you to do ladies and gents is uh, engage with us on social media on facebook just search for war for idiots you'll find our page it's got this little soldier man that's sitting here on the cover in a red background so you see him um, uh mm. if you're a listener like a that's, you end up doing a really terrible job of being a weatherman um how is that just hanging there in yeah. it's amazing. Um, and uh, if you're on Twitter uh, you can find us at uh, war numeral Four idiots if you want to talk to Richie and I in particular chances are you're probably gonna want to talk to Richie because he's a nicer guy on Twitter I'm probably
1: yeah I just agree with you
0: <laughs> Richie uh, it's at Richie underscore triple T and that's TTT don't actually write triple T and uh, Myself at Mick underscore Cook, and if you can jump on there throughout the week, I will check on Friday. And, and Richie will ask me in this final session who is our idiot of the week, and we want people to send us Ooh. idiot of the week. I mean, the guy who sacked Captain Crozier, who's probably going to be reinstituted into command. Up. Update: I
1: think he is. I think he he's is. been reinstated. Re- re- deck,
0: oh, right? Yeah. So, actually, that's that's true. Uh, that's true because the Admiral Tommy. So, um, yeah, the guy who sacked him, idiot yeah. of the week. Right, so you just jump on social media, engage with us, tell us who you think the idiot of the week is, and we'll announce it on the show. And hey, we might even send them a trophy or something. Richie, we're
1: not going to do that. We can't afford trophies. can right?
0: kind of that. Hey, uh, yeah, and also, um, if you like what we're doing, and uh, I'm serious, I will, I will say the name of a company every time I make a technical stuff up. If you want to sponsor the show, send
1: us some tin. Uh, Richie, uh, should people leave us a review? Look, get on there and leave reviews. Um, we are currently at four and a half stars out of five. That's pretty good. Oh, you good have that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get on there, leave us some reviews, spread the word. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I can only leave so many of our own reviews. Uh, it's starting to get a bit old. Gmail
0: has stopped him from signing up for new <laughs> email account. <laughs>
1: yeah, sorry. So get on there and leave us a review. And look, uh, look we hope you have enjoyed our take on climate change. We hope uh, you are... Heart of the conversation and we hope you keep the conversation going um share with your friend challenge them to a debate get the intellect uh pumping and get yourself thinking while you're locked out in this COVID time and until next time this is rich and this is mick and until the next time remember that we may be the idiots but so
0: are you
1: war for idiots is a tdp production All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the
0: individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation.
1: The music used during Wolf Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an Attribution Share Alike 3.0 international licence.